Today's episode comes to you in partnership with Rotacloud, the people management platform for shift-based teams. Rotacloud lets managers create and share rotas, record attendance and manage annual leave, all from a single web-based app. It also makes work simple for your team, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday and even pick up extra shifts straight from their phones. Try Rotacloud's time-saving tools today by heading to rotacloud.com forward slash fill. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Patricia Dickey, Director of Customer Experience at the World Class Goodwood Estate. Coming up on today's show, Patricia tells us how she likes to start her days. Porridge and a double bourbon. Phil loses all track of time. God, how did it become 10 o'clock? I was supposed to call the wife at 8. And Patricia demonstrates that no ideas are off the table at Goodwood. And so we put a full-size trawler at one of the entrances. All that and so much more as Patricia talks us through her wonderful career so far. Patricia's journey at Goodwood is a whole story in itself, and she is all action from the get-go. Not only that, she's also come up with one of the greatest ways to summarise what a career in hospitality is in this wonderful statement. Just an incredible bunch of characters all working together and just having the time of our lives. A huge thank you to Patricia for really bringing the fun. One final thing before we get into it, and I know I go on about this, but if you can't take two seconds to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, it really makes a huge difference. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to Patricia Dickey. Well, hello there. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you very much. A little hot today, a lovely sunny day, but really on great form. Yes, yeah, yeah, great form, great, great form. form. That's, well, that bodes well <laughs> for what we're about to do. But uh, yeah, well, it is, uh, for context, we're recording this on the 5th of September and summer has arrived. Hasn't it? And just as the children went back to school, look at it. 37 yeah. degrees it clocked up in my car today. So, I mean, we could be on the continent, for God's sake. I know, I know. It's great. Ridiculous. But anyway, enough Love about it. the weather. That's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a habit on this show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the, well, yeah, just tell the world who you are and what you do. Oh, crikey. Uh, well, my name is Patricia Dickey. I am the Customer Experience Director at Goodwood, which is an exquisite estate in the south of England, 12,000 acres, and is holds host to many things we've got lots of big events uh, festival speed goodwood revival qatar goodwood festival but we've got so much more we've got a organic farm we've got a hotel there's goodwood house which is the beautiful home that sits in the middle and um, which is the home to the duke and duchess of duchess of richmond and their family and we've got a motor circuit a- a- aviation i mean the list is endless two golf courses it's yeah. it's a really really beautiful place to be that's one of those moments whereby we, we do a fade out and then we come back half an hour later and we're still in the store. We've got farm, we've got, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, we've got grass. Yeah, yeah. We've got sky, there are trees. Oh, yeah. amazing. Oh, lots, so many trees, so, so many, many trees. trees. But it is, a, a, I think on the website it says it's an English estate like no other. And I think that's actually a really wonderful way to summarise it because having been, uh, I've only ever been for the Festival of Speed. Huh. I've not been to any of your other events, but I, I mean, we'll get into all of the events, I'm sure, over the, the fullness of uh, of our discussion. But Festival of Speed is just I mean, it's insane, incredible. isn't it? It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's the biggest one, and actually, there's uh, there's it's almost too hard to get around it at times. There's so much to see, and it's taken a real move yeah. into sort of more tech. But it's you know, it's it's petrol head heaven, um, and it's right in the thick of you know, it's right outside Goodwood House. 
and it's huge. It's huge. I mean, as you saw, sort of yeah. 50 odd thousand people per day, all the F1 teams, all the rally cars. It's where all vehicles come together. It's the very best of motorsports. It's immense. And in all the years I've been here, it just get you know, I've, you never grow tired of it. You're quite tired, for sure. No. But you never grow tired of it. Oh, I can only imagine. Well, we're tired and we're enjoying it. We can't imagine what it would be like to run it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the you know the thing for this because I was there this year actually, and uh, I was I was lucky enough to see a little bit of behind the scenes through friend of the show, Mister Coggins. <laughs> AC. <laughs> yeah, bless him. And um, it was that took my experience to a whole new level. Seeing some of the stuff, just a little snippet of of behind the scenes of what you guys get up to. Mm-hmm. But I think that the wonderful thing about the festival of speed this year was, and I kind of made a, a little bit of a joke about this to somebody recently when I couldn't attend an event because I was going to Festivals of Speed and I said, I'm I'm heading off to Festival of Speed to do my bit for the planet. You know, <laughs> tongue-in-cheek joke <laughs> uh, and all of that kind of thing. But actually, there was a really wonderful kind of underlying theme this year around the changing face of motorsport, what totally. motorsport is trying to do uh, in general to be a hell of a lot more sustainable and uh, Sebastian Vettel did a whole thing oh, he's uh, incredible was, yeah. yeah it was just yeah uh, it was just really really great to hear that uh, you know it is something that's being taken seriously I mean the motorsport industry it has always been at the forefront of kind of innovation anyway so it makes sense that with all of the brains the engineering the technology within that new ways for the sport and just mobility in general evolve you know synthetic fuels you know, we're, you know, the electric world has grown in a huge way in the last few years. So it's, you know, that sort of innovation all yeah. coming together at the festival. It's really brilliant. And actually, the, the whole estate has a real sustainability focus that they don't probably shout about enough. But um, to see it all coming together at Festival Speed, which is, I think, as you know, you're saying it tongue in cheek. I'm sure some people think, oh, yeah, sure, you're not going to Festival Speed because you're being sustainable or kind to the planet but actually they're putting huge efforts in across that whole industry and how to how to make everything from events to to motorsport more sustainable so it's fascinating really fascinating yeah what's the big brains involved oh for sure way way above my pay grade on that (laughs) one but um yeah (laughs) but um i did actually mean to to put a little bit of a health warning uh on ahead of our chat because we're uh obviously both from north of the border and probably yeah. one accent will feed into the other and uh, by the end of the conversation nobody will be able to understand the word we're saying but um exactly. but the second is is that we both like a chat so um yeah let's see what happens with this yeah, one but um how, how many hours we can go for <laughs> yes indeed but uh yeah well a big shout out to to andrew for connecting us in the first place i've been super excited to indeed. to have this chat uh, with you so bless him. let's go all the way back to yes bless him oh, indeed. let's go all the way back to the beginning of your career how did you get involved in hospitality in the first place how indeed my big mouth probably I was <laughs> always I think when I was as most people do when you're a bit younger you take a job in a cafe or a bar and still to this day some of those early even from when I was a you call it glass catcher, you know, a glass collector in 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 a pub. Still to this day, those are some of the best work moments I've had. You know, just an incredible bunch of characters all working together and just having the time of our lives. 
And when it started to move into, you should probably think about a serious career kind of conversation. I saw my sister at university doing pure maths and it looking just miserable, thinking, actually, I'm probably getting, I'm earning some quite nice money here. I'm having the time of my life. Let me just stick this out for a bit longer. I kind of never really left it. Went to work in Glasgow uh, uh, for a group that had nightclubs and bars. And then, obviously, London, the streets are paved with gold. So I faxed, that's how old I am, I faxed, faxed. my CV. Faxed, yeah. My God, I'm not sure paper. I even faxed a CV anywhere. All right. Um, yeah. no, I started young. <laughs> I faxed my, my short CV to the five places in London I'd heard of. I think it was Soho Brasserie and Old Compton Street, but one of them was Atlantic Bar and Grill, which was uh, Piccadilly, and Coast, which was a really cool restaurant in Albemarle Street, which was the, uh, Oliver Payton owned uh, ah, at the okay, time. Right. And I, I got a trial shift, which isn't something I had heard of before. So basically I had to turn up and work a shift. And then at the end, they'd tell you if, if you had the job. So it was taking quite a you know one-way ticket packed everything in a bag and thought, right, here I go for a trial shift at Coast Restaurant in Albemarle Street. I got the job. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, otherwise the story might yeah. have been different. The rest is history. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was just it, it, the London scenes. That was in 1990. Uh, it was 1990 something. 1990. Yeah. Five, maybe yeah. eight. Uh, anyway, the numbers all fudged together. But, and it was just, it was, it was absolutely the coolest the coolest bunch of people certainly that I ever you know I, my eyes were wide open and I just thought oh my goodness this is just brilliant and worked at coast for a while and then I went to the avenue in St James's which I've heard very sadly has recently closed its doors permanently but right. at the time it had not long opened and I stayed in the avenue group for about 12 years and what a gang you know we had Quaglinos just up the road from there uh everyone knew everyone there was always someone you knew that was in a new opening so we got into all the best new restaurants you know very rarely paid for a drink you i mean it was just it was heaven and then everybody partied hard yeah. afterwards so you know it was real heydays yeah. of hospitality and i've got some of my greatest friends are the friends i met during that period it was just, I mean, London was just absolutely buzzing. I'm sure it still is now. I just, you know, I'm tired and my knees hurt. Oh, but, no, there's, you know, there's, there's nothing going on in London these days. It's pretty quiet, <laughs> I, I hear. But, um, yeah, yeah. A couple of daytime I, cafes and that's it. <laughs> I completely hear you, though. And This is just so weird how, how this kind of stuff comes up. I literally, on the dog walk I did today, I was talking to my <laughs> wife around the, the fact that um, I still look back on the the first five years of my serious career when I, I had my first real job, if you like, after graduating from uni, as if it's it's like such a fond time. I don't think of I can't think of any negativity around that time, no. and it is all about I think the people that I was working with, and that the, the yeah. you kind of were all piling in, working hard and making stuff happen, and living together and dying together and you know, succeeding together and failing together and all of totally. these people that now I, you know, I look back, 20, that's 20 years ago and I, I still look back on that first foray into the job world. Um, I suppose because you're also quite impressionable at that time. Yeah. With, like it's, it, it totally defined me as in uh, who yeah. I became today. So it's, it's, it's their fault. It's not my fault. It's, yeah, exactly. It was the people I hung out with. Um, I wonder yeah. if it's youthful exuberance or, 
I mean, obviously, it goes without saying your responsibilities are a lot less stressful. You know, you know, in those days, nobody we were flitting from one flat share to another, and you know, you didn't have to worry about where you were parking your car. I mean, God, you didn't worry about how you got home, mm. and it just was. And also, I think in hospitality, uh, which is why it's such a dream, is that it's work hard, play hard, and the hours are weird, and you. You kind of let off steam. I mean, I remember there was a place in London called Down Mexico Way, which I think is now Hawksmoor. It was in um, Swallow Street. Right. And it opened at 1 a.m. Upstairs opened at 1 a.m. And it was for all the people who worked in catering. And they only sold a vodka and cranberry, tequila shots, or bottles of Peroni. I think it was Peroni. That was it. And everybody, everybody went in. There was nothing else on offer, and it was some guy taking cash. I mean, it was as shady as it gets, you know. Some guy had been taking cash for a tequila shot, and and you could see, oh, that's the chefs all arriving from Quaglinos, and there's the front, the cigar girls have all turned up because they're all at models, and here's the. We used to be called. I was a receptionist, and you were either a seater and greeter, which was a slightly charming name for it, or a door whore, less fabulous. Um, mm, yeah, but I, I could, that would stand up really well today. <laughs> oh, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, actually, in fairness, it's kind of what we called ourselves. You know, it was a bit like, you know, we were the, the good time girls at the front desk. and But it was just pockets of people from all elements of hospitality. And the one thing that we had in common was we'd finished <laughs> for the night at one and we were yeah. all keen to blow off steam. So, and that's where you got to meet lots of different people. And it's amazing how even now I meet people from the industry who I didn't know then who said, oh, I used to go to Down Mexico Way. You know, lots. we, we all just used to gather there. But um, it was just yeah. such a, it felt like such sort of fabulous times. I can only imagine the, the stories that you must have <laughs> shared about the shift that you've just done and who we just met. And you wouldn't exactly. believe that complaint that we had. We'd never had that one before yeah. and all of that. And it's just, but it's actually, it, it's probably its own little hotbed university in itself, you know, in terms of the education you're getting from each other around this stuff that happens on a day-to-day basis totally and how to manage it and how to manage shifts and you know and we were all you know 20s early 20s and how and it was knackering I mean nothing short of exhaustion so uh, you know and in those days not very many places open for breakfast so you had the good grace to not have to start till say 10 but of course you got in at four gosh the thought of that now makes yeah. me feel slightly queasy but um <laughs> It was, but you know how to, and then also you progressed in a kind of community. So you knew that there was a, a a more senior role in whatever it was, whether you were at your reception, and it was a real art form. All the different areas, you know, I'm sure it still goes on very much nowadays. But you know, learning your craft without any tech, you know, if you ran the book, the reservations book in a restaurant, it was all pencil and paper. And you yeah. had the pages printed for the two months ahead. So if someone's taking a book in three months, you say, well, I'll need to take a note of it and hope it makes it back into the pages of this master book. And it was all about, you know, how to space tables out. And if I can put those two together, I can turn two twos into a six and how to get the best. I mean, you know, stuff now that's all done automatically, but there was such a buzz to it. And then you knew that there were different positions available in new restaurants and that's how people moved around and, there was a real community to it, and I think that made such a difference. You know, you could, you could, if if 
you needed to make a change. There was lots of people you could talk to. That's a really cool part of yeah. it, especially in London, because I think London can, for some people, I remember them saying London, they found it very lonely. I, I found it exactly the opposite. I thought it was just, you know, so busy, so brilliant. Yeah. Um, it's, so it con- just, it's just constantly it alive, isn't it? And there's always something going oh, on. I mean, completely, completely. Brilliant fun. Yeah. So what you, from there, what, what yeah, where, where did you go next? I worked for Image Restaurants, uh, which owned the Avenue and Circus, which is now Bob Obricard, and Kensington Place in Kensington. Um, and then and they had Launston Place. God, you are dropping some names in here. I know. Well, that was all the same group, Launston Place, yep. and then the Brackenbury in Brackenbury Village. That was all the same group. And then we had a place called West Street, which really, I mean, the timing was just terrible. West Street opened... I think the week after nine eleven, so oh, right. uh, and that was just a few doors up from the Ivy. So and it just it never really well the world changed and everyone was just well as you remember you know the, the nervous about what was happening in all of our worlds. So going out and eating supper in Covent Garden was right at the bottom of the list, mm. uh, and um, and there was the fear of what might happen in London stuff. So it was just such a sticky start for the restaurant. So I worked for that group for about 12 years, and then decided that I quite fancied doing, I had been doing lots of big events within the restaurants and made some great contacts. And a couple of people had asked if I would do events outside of the day-to-day restaurant stuff. So my then boss, who's still a lovely friend, was very kind and sort of said, yeah, you can, you know, why don't you half and half? So I started doing events, set up my own business, and I did a bit of restaurants, a bit of events. And then... The lady who had been my mentor and the sort of doyen of London restaurants, Marion Scrutton, who's still a very good friend and is a legend in the catering industry, was helping the Duke of Richmond, then Lord March, set up the kennels here at Goodwood in 2006. Right. And said, my nickname was Marge because of an incident with margaritas, which we won't go into. And oh, she telephoned and said, Marge, no. <laughs> I just drank too many of them in in New York. Well, that's usually what happens, isn't it? Yeah, sounds really rock and roll, but I basically lost I lost a day. Um, but uh, she telephoned and said, "Look, Marge, can you just come and help set this up down at the kennels?" And I'd heard of Goodwood, but not really. You know, I wasn't in as in tune. And came down, got off the train, and thought, "Oh God!" And in two thousand and six, it was beautifully sunny, and it was just at the beginning of June. So stayed for a couple of months to help out. I was only going to help out, she says, generously, mm. for three days. But the Kennels was uh, this new private members club and it was going great guns and they just needed an extra pair of hands. So I got stuck in and that was 17 years ago. And you're still there. God, that is it's one still of those... Um, Any minute now, I'll move on. It's, yeah, it's one of those uh, the rest is history kind of stories, but we're, we're absolutely... I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. <laughs> because I do. That's a long time to to be with company, but uh, with one company. But I, I suppose you've already kind of highlighted as well that in the pre- previous company before you started your own business, you were with them for twelve years as well. And it's yeah. it's one of those things that if if there's if there's opportunity and you're still learning and you're still engaged with what you're doing, then what is the need to move on anyway? Right? I mean, um, yeah. it sounds like you were kind of getting experience lots of different experiences in lots of different places 
Totally. I've never had a job anywhere in either of those companies that has been someone else's job before. So I've always kind of slightly uh, created, yeah. I've never had it. We've, you know, made jobs up and and started them, which is an absolute gift because, you know, there's no... There's no rule book, and you can slightly make it up as you go along. And as I think I was saying to you when we when we first thought, you know, haven't been rumbled so far, so maybe now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you do know this is going out in the public <laughs> domain, right? <laughs> ah, what have I said? Um, but jobs have just kind of evolved because I mean, I definitely love this world, this sort of you know customer facing experience, hospitality world, and I think. I've obviously just got stuck in and then dreamed stuff up as I go along. And that seems to be, it seems to have worked. Yeah. Um, so, and Goodwood, Goodwood in particular, I really, you know, it's, I've lived at Goodwood longer than I've lived in any, and in, you know, I live on the estate and in one of these beautiful cottages and I've lived here longer than I've lived in any other home, including my family home when I was little. Right. So it's really, it really is, you know, it really is home. And, and it's such a incredible place. So, um, no doubt, no doubt. I can't imagine not being part of this. In that little section there, you gave you gave me the title for this show, which is creating your own job with uh, with uh, yeah. P- Patricia Dickey. <laughs> um, that sounds like a podcast title, actually. There you go. You can have that. Oh, and bye. Thank but, you. <laughs> but yeah, so you you started in uh, at Goodwood to well with the focus to set up the the private members club. The kennels. But how did you how did you evolve through Goodwood then to to now arriving? Because your title is director of customer experience now, is that right? I mean, what's what about that for a title? That Talk about a, a catch all. I mean, considering we are an experienced business, I mean, it, it it could basically be anything, which often is, which is what makes it so brilliant. Yes, you are the director of everybody who comes through your gates to experience. <laughs> uh, Yes, what good it has to offer. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> My anxiety is sky high. Um, <laughs> I We started, when I came for the first, it was the opening of the kennel, so lots and lots of the work had already been done, and it was really just to sort of help out, well, the great and the good from the press and the PR. And it's the first time at that point that Goodwood had done something uh, that was sort of day-to-day because the hotel, which we, the Goodwood Hotel on site now, wasn't under Goodwood ownership at the time or it was it was being run by a hotel business and the members club uh the kennels which is a it's one of the most exquisite buildings this was the 40 into a private members club and a restaurant and a bar um and they used to do really and still do amazing events at goodwood house really kind of mind-blowing sensational events but this was sort of day-to-day you know managing a restaurant and bar so i stayed for a couple of months just to get over the you know the, the madness of an opening and then fell in love with it a bit and I think it realized that it was I think everyone realized it was bigger than we had thought so it warranted me staying longer and I had a flat in London and I thought it was super cool uh, and so I was a bit like well I'm probably not going to move down here obviously because I live <laughs> in London so um, you know I could come down and help out every now and then <laughs> remember Lord March at the time saying, well, that doesn't really work for us, so we'd like you <laughs> to commit. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the ultimate people, please. I was like, okay, sure, I'll move. <laughs> that didn't take long. And um, and was lucky enough to 
find this cottage on the estate which was empty which was just close to the kennels which is where I still am because it's just heaven and so ran the kennels for three years and then felt a little bit like I feel like there's maybe something more you know it's, it was an incredible place but it felt like I'd done it for three years I wonder if there was another place to go to we started uh, and we only did it for one year which is a great shame but boy what a year we held an event called Vintage at Goodwood which was celebrating five decades of British cool so music art fashion film design food and it was celebrating 40s 50s 60s 70s and 80s and it was the most exceptional it was the hardest I think I've ever worked it's where I've got almost all of my good stories from the ups and downs of putting on an event in a greenfield site it was a joint venture which came with some challenges anyway it was incredible so I was vintage at Goodwood director and then after, when we decided we probably wouldn't do it for a second year, we took lots of elements of it, and it's still it's they still factor in, in innovation throughout the estate now. Things we learned, cool mm. things we did. I then did it was a bit of a oh, what should we do with her now? So I did special projects. Oh, I mean that covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> what will we do with this strange jock? Right, let's give her special projects. <laughs> yes, we, we don't have any job for her, actually, but we do like She's her. Okay, we so feel we'd a like bit sorry for her. her so, yeah. <laughs> she can stay for a bit and do the dishes, maybe? No, I did. I, director I, I of dishes. I worked on the bigger events. <laughs> director of dishes, cleaning, wiping down surfaces, the yep. whole lot. And uh, looked after some sponsors at Festival Speed, actually, which was unbelievable fun. I looked after a couple of motor manufacturers and a watch brand in their first year here. So we were all learning together. And that was wonderful because I, for all the time I'd been at the kennels and then doing vintage, I don't think I'd really got out across the rest of the estate. So I was doing special projects. So it was anything new that was coming up that they thought, right, we could do with uh, an extra bit of oomph I got stuck in with. Right. Could could you bring your own creativity to that in terms of uh, if you if you had ideas about something you just kind of lay them out and see if they're taken I mean I think the thing we learned at at Vintage was it was all about creativity and everyone is creative really if they're if they're given the scope or opportunity or no idea is a bad idea it's quite often in lots of businesses definitely not unique to Goodwood but you know you can think of all the restrictions before you think of the opportunities you know we don't have enough budget there aren't enough people we don't have enough time you know so it was quite good to just do the oddball projects that were new because you could just say, what if? What if we were to do something really amazing for a guest? What would that look like? And then you work it back to something that you can deliver in real life. Mm. And that's just been, and I think that's, I mean, that's basically what my job is now. What would be really, really sensational God, for our customers? And doesn't it? It's easily the best job on the estate. Sorry to Andrew and, and lots of other colleagues, but... <laughs> Uh, it's an absolute joy and it's tough because obviously what you have to do is not only you know get a lot of people together come up with some great ideas but then right now how are we going to deliver it really well and yeah, you have execution. to execution is yeah. one thing but also almost convincing other people that this new mental idea is a good one that in itself can be a bit of a challenge but god it's worth it yeah isn't that that's the um 
the thing that precursors all genius ideas, though, isn't it? Or, or sorry, it comes after immediately after a genius idea is that everybody around who doesn't understand what you've just said goes, ah, that will never work. Well, that's stupid. Or, totally. You know, what, what are you kidding? Yeah. You can't afford that. Yeah. And we all of that. That's exactly time. what you just said, actually. Yeah. And, and, haven't got enough time. Haven't got enough people. Haven't got enough budget. Yeah. But isn't that's probably one of the and I, I've I've never met the Duke, but I, I've my I hear through the grapevine, and I know I have to be very careful here, that uh, you know that's one of the joys of working with them is, is that they are so open to ideas yeah. as to you know what what could we do that's just going to be amazing for people. Totally, and in fact, in fact, Phil, even more than that, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a legend. It's not just open to ideas. He's often the main driver. Right. And he he's really, really creative and he's a real visionary and he isn't hampered by, you know, ultimately when it when it comes to execution and delivery, we all have to put the old, oh my God, we've overspent. Oh my goodness, there aren't enough people, you know, all the usual. But he doesn't yeah. start with that and that's why the ideas are so brilliant you know it's sometimes it's really difficult to come up with an idea without thinking of the oh god how's this going to come to fruition and so he's so good at sort of saying what would be the very best way to do this what's the way that and it's got to be things that are really genuine they've got and authentic and true so there's no point in there's no bullshit and yeah. it's got yeah, to be yeah, yeah. it's got to be genuine it's got to mean something why would we do it what you know so we challenge he's very good at challenging everyone on that and the detail gosh the eye is in the detail I mean it rubs off you find yourself having mm-hmm. the same slightly maniacal view of stuff you know I can see a wire that's paint finish isn't right these are the wrong shades that's the wrong font but actually, it's all of those. Yeah, we're opening things. in five minutes. Ah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are you crying again? Yeah. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the reason it's brilliant. You know, when you get all of those little details come together and people notice, especially especially you know when you get the big events and you see tiny little details, people do notice them big yeah. time. So it's definitely worth doing them. Yeah, but you know, there, there, there's uh, there's nothing better than positive pressure. Yeah. Like, you know, too much pressure is, a, you know, is not good. It's not sustainable. But a little bit of positive pressure just hones the senses, doesn't it? And just gets everybody focused on achieving what needs to be done. I love that. Uh, that's, I'm going to use that. Story, I'm going to yeah. totally steal that. No, just that, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, through the, through the summer season in particular, where it's absolutely at full throttle here. Positive pressure. Yeah. Positive pressure. Yeah, just use that in your team talks. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember, guys. Come on, guys. We uh, could all do the bit. Put a little positive pressure. (laughs) You get a black eye. I'll give you positive pressure really fast. Um, But you know, why are you throwing cricket balls at me? Stop it. It's positive pressure. Um, It's so true. You know, of course it is. You know, and and there's a frustration that often you think, "Oh, I've nailed it." You know, absolutely, I've been busting it on this. I've gone through all the details. I've really thought about the guest experience from the website to the car park to who greets them at the door. They're going to eat something delicious. They're going to see something mind-blowing. And then more often than not, the joke will say, have you also thought about X or Y? Like, oh, he's so right. Or X and Y. X and Y, (laughs) yeah. 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 Um, so it's brilliant, and you yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's where it's constant learning because you know there's there's never a dull moment. There, we're never sitting still. There's always ways to be 
better and improve and we just always have to keep looking for them so it's it's exceptional a bit exhausting at times so you have to learn to be able to recharge so that you don't fall over because at times it's it's a bonkers place to be and especially with a new generation I can say that now because I faxed my CV so it's official that I'm old but there's a there's a new <laughs> you generation to your generational <laughs> exactly um of people who maybe aren't used to and I'm not suggesting that it's people of my age or thereabouts that are used to working hard because lots of people are able to work hard at all ages. But maybe in hospitality, grafting long hours and lots of days were just standard and nobody complained about being tired. You just got on with it. And I'm not suggesting it was right. Yeah, I have a theory as to why this is. Go on. It's, and this is just, I say it's my theory, it's kind of a, an under-discussion theory that just seems to come up every now and again. And that, and this is not to, I'm absolutely not marking our generation as the be-all and end-all and the dog's bits yeah. of when it comes to building a career. But, you know, it's, it's exactly what I was talking about earlier on with my first job out of uni. Um, I've had so many conversations with, with people in, in their first jobs and whatever, whatever it is, is that there comes a time whereby you're surrounded by people who, and this is the key point, I think, if you're surrounded by people who care and surrounded by people who really give a monkeys about what they're doing and what yeah. you're trying to achieve as a, as a whole, then when you're in that and you're in the middle of it and you get it and you, you feel engaged with it, then it's not work. No. So it doesn't, you, you almost, you're not going, oh my God, uh, I've got four hours left to go on my shift. Yeah. You're going. You're looking at your watch, going, "God, how did it become ten o'clock? I was supposed to call the totally. wife at eight. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a totally different ball game because it is that kind of mindset of if you are waiting for your shift to finish, yeah, yeah then no it's going job. to take forever. But if yeah. you just get captivated and caught up in the moment of what you're trying to achieve, then time goes, and yeah. um, and that's the kind of the I suppose the the indication that you are where you're supposed you're to be. Supposed to be. But the other, the flip side of that is, is that if you find yourself, and I've, I've been here early in my career, and I'm guessing a lot of people probably have as well, is that that first moment where you are asked to do something that's above and beyond what you expected of yourself in that moment, that's the, the there comes an awakening, I think, whereby initially you might, your initial first response is, Oh God, I, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to work another two hours. I don't want to. I don't want to be sent down there. And that you kind of have to go through these experiences to learn how to deal with that experience as well. Totally. So, and I think certainly from the outside looking in, and I know I'm ranting a little bit here, but there's an awful lot of people will not work through that now. No. But I, I, what I my message is work through it because all the gold is yeah, on the other side. side. I can't that, agree more. That moment where, yeah, 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 absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, but a quick word to give special mention to our sponsor, Rotacloud, without whom this podcast wouldn't even be possible. With thousands of customers worldwide, Rotacloud is already saving businesses like yours hundreds of hours of staffing related admin every year. It's been described by its users as everything from a lifesaver to an absolute no brainer, with one customer even saying that they'd rather stick forks in their eyes than go back to doing their rotas the old fashioned way. If you're ready to take the pain out of people management, I highly recommend heading over to rotacloud.com forward slash Phil to sign up for your free 30-day trial and see how Rotacloud can benefit your business. 
no, let's get back to it. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up now. No, no, not at all. I t- I agree. I totally agree. I mean, I think maybe it's a it's a sort of mindset thing. This sounds like I'm sort of bashing a younger generation. I'm not at all. I don't think it's a younger generation. I think that you know people obviously took the mickey when we were working. You know, asking you to do bonkers hours and you were paid peanuts and it was all yeah. made up in service charge. And now, of course. Lots of rules and regulations are put in place to safeguard people being shafted at work. So that's all brilliant. Yeah. But there is a moment. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. From from a care perspective, a cus- well, two things, I think. Hospitality was made for me by the people around me, but mostly above. So if someone was a really brilliant manager who set us up well for a shift together and led the team well, I mean, you were invincible and you learned so much. I think I maybe said this in our earlier chat. You learn so much from a social perspective. You know, you learn how to read people. Mm. You know, you've got a room full of people. They're having a great time. He's got clients and he's trying to peacock a little. So you need to make sure you give him the due respect. So he's he has a brilliant, you know, he can yeah. be seen to be the man in charge. She's got her in-laws, so she's made this recommendation. You need to make sure she feels as though it's been a good choice. They've had a fallout, so just try and get somebody to, you know, it's amazing being able to read You can read that one a mile away, though, can't you? Yeah, exactly. What have I done? Oh, no, it wasn't me. Result. Um, And also that, that, that need to make people feel, you know, everyone should leave a moment whether it's an event or a restaurant or just even a cup of tea feeling better than when they arrived then you've nailed it Mm. and that can be anything it could be because it's the most delicious cup of tea they've ever had it could be because you've been absolutely charming and lovely it could just simply be that you know you were nice to them at a time they needed it so there's a real responsibility I think in our industry to deliver that and we get caught up or I feel that we get caught up in you know, the process is too much and, and people need to put much more effort into just what does a guest really need? I mean, I could wax lyrical about it, but I just, I think uh, I think putting our guests first and then just cracking on behind the scenes as a gang is, maybe I just haven't been on the floor so much in recent years and it, it might be that that still happens, but you and I both talking about the heyday of our youth where everybody did care and it became self-policing and we all had a real pride in what we were delivering and we loved it when a service went well. I'd love for more people to feel that because I think the industry would be full of rock stars if that was the case. I, I could not agree more. That's so excellent. We're, we're, well, we're solving problems here. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, anyway, enough of the ranting. Back to, back to story. Uh, so we uh, we haven't we haven't really filled in the blanks properly yet between the kennels and what you're doing now. Because that was all my fault because I just went straight to what you're doing now <laughs> around your job title. But yeah, so to talk us through what, what happened. How did it continually special projects actually? I special, the project. special projects, and then, actually, and then yeah, how did it evolve out from there? Um, special projects. It was a really interesting time at Goodwood where the business was growing. Obviously, I mean, when I started at Goodwood in 2006, I think there was sort of 300 and 40 employees and there's about double that now and the business right. was growing and it was also growing in in the way it was being managed so instead of businesses working individually we were taking a kind of wider approach so it meant that it was joining the dots you know if people are playing golf then surely they could also stay at the hotel and then 
maybe they could go racing or, you know so it was it was sort of putting more parts together which of course now feels like second nature um and so special projects was just new things so innovation across the estate where are new elements coming together and where can we not take risks but just try stuff you know well thought through but you know different interesting innovation in different parts of the business and so I did we did vintage at Goodwood and that showed us despite how hard it was in terms of just the everything about it it delivered some absolute gems and we saw new audiences and we saw that we were able to do things slightly differently and then we some of the projects I've worked on since then have been I mean no exception we did the three Friday nights, which is our big DJ racing nights at the race course. We launched the Magnolia Cup, which is this incredible charity horse race, all very women-centric, run by women for women and about women uh, and female charities, which has raised over I think over three million in the years we've run it since 2011. Wow. We launched Farmer Butcher Chef, which is our fully sustainable, basically the restaurant that sits in the middle of the farm. It's based at the hotel. It's this zero waste, fully sustainable restaurant with some of the most incredible food. I mean, it's just, you know, no prime cuts, how to use every part of an animal. It's a, it's a real, real jewel in the crown from a dining perspective. Yeah. Uh, and then more recently, Goodwoof, the world's coolest dog event. Um, see what we did there, Goodwoof. Now you're uh, talking. Hey. <laughs> Um, and so, avid listeners of the show will know that I like dogs. So, oh, um, yes, but I'm sure we, we can we can come back to Goodwood if we you wish I mean, uh, I at, at some about... point. But let's let's conclude yeah. proceedings. So, I um I it was special projects, but actually it turned into I had I left to have my first bambino, and when I came back, we discussed the role being new role made up, create your own job, job creation was Indeed. that actually it was yeah. more across the board and it, was, it wasn't it was always a new thing. It was maybe a new way of looking at things or a new way of delivering something or refreshing the way we do stuff. So it felt like customer experience was a good way of capturing what that was about. And so luckily enough, uh, I get to work across all elements of the estate, fingering all the pies. And it's just, it's a dream. I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But do you know what? That, that It comes across... For, for sure, because okay. the, the energy in which you speak about that place is just, you know, it's, it's infectious. It, it. I mean, frankly, it's one of my favourite places in the whole world. I've, I've come to it late. Uh, I've only really known about Goodwood for maybe the last, well, actually, it's nearly 10 years now. Jeez. Um, and that was only because I knew that I had to get my brother to Festival of Speed <laughs> for his 40th. He's a massive petrol head, so and I just thought, that would be a great. And I wasn't really a petrol head myself until that point. And he and I went together, and well, it's it. just uh, it's just always a pleasure to return. And we we haven't yet done the revival, and oh, we'll now weekend. have to come to Goodwood as well. Yes, oh, I mean, God, what a drag yeah, for indeed. you. Um, yeah, and now the doors open. There's so many more gems. So yeah, you need to come and and hang out. I think the 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 amazing thing uh, about kind of what you've just said about your role there and but also the estate and just the I suppose the total environment when you've got the right leadership who's who are visionaries and you can almost come to them and say look every set yeah every sentence that you have is caveated with uh, hear me out here uh, I've had an idea 
Yeah. And you can come to the idea and, you know, you're not going to get shot down. People are not going to, uh, you know, tell you your, uh, or maybe they will eventually, but um, but they're certainly going to give you the forum to at least see if this has got legs and and um, and, and worth pursuing. And I think when that happens, it what I mean, Goodwood is a, an absolute walking case in point. It's It shows you what's possible when you don't set kind of boundaries on yourself. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a, um, there's a lot to be said for, you know, what do you think guests would like as a consideration? But quite often, all the cool new things that I've ever come across, not necessarily good with anywhere, I didn't know about them until I saw them. So, you know, I do love the old Henry Ford quote, if I asked them what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse. Because until he invented the car, nobody had a clue what it was. So actually, a lot of it has got to be uh, really out of the box thinking, real bonkers stuff. And it can get, you know, obviously gets toned down so that it becomes something that is deliverable. But it's great to start with. We have meetings in particular to do with Revival because Revival is, I mean, Revival's so, it's such an immersive experience, which you'll need to put next on the list. Make it down this weekend. Um, It's it's like walking (laughs) up. <laughs> it's like walking onto a film set. It's all set in period, and there's loads of set dressing and loads of. It. And so we have these theatrics meetings once a month, all year. And the best ones are the ones just after the event, where it's clean sheet of paper again. And what random bonkers yeah. stuff do we want to deliver? And nothing's off the table. No one for the first couple worries about how much it'll cost. Is it even possible to build? How on earth would that happen? And it's. And so many crazy things have happened here that you can say, yeah, well, why not find out who owns that rocket and see if they can bring it? You know, we decided to celebrate one year. We decided to celebrate 60 years of the fish finger. Uh, of course. Nothing really to do course. with cars, but just because it was a it was a great fun anniversary. And so we put a full-size trawler at one of the entrances with a whole host of actors on it. Someone was pretending to be Captain Birdseye. Loads of places sold fish finger sandwiches all around the site. It was just great fun. I mean, imagine in those first meetings, we go, 60 years of the fish finger. Should probably get a giant trawler. You think, gosh, there'll be somebody sitting in an office in, <laughs> in Slough, you know, trying to audit their stationary supplies. And we're here, coming, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a joy. It's a really, really excellent job to have. Yeah. Oh, great fun. Yeah. I mean, certainly... It- it certainly sounds like you're doing exactly what you need or should be doing for for sure. The um, the uh, the the joy that it seems to bring to you is is great, and then I suppose that's exactly what we're talking about as well. Now, oh, I'm sure in moments it does feel like it's a job, but a lot of the the time, it you know you're you're doing stuff that makes you happy, yeah, um, and then uh, worrying about the stressful elements of that later. Yeah, I think the whole of hospitality is a bit like that, Phil. I mean, having been in mm. this world for all these years, these many years, it is hard work, but it's great fun. But you've got to have a laugh. You have to have it. There's got to be, there's got to be humour and and wit and good people around you, or you'd break. You know, it's not sustainable to do, you know, this sort of graft unless it's good fun. It's not always. It's not you know. It's not like a children's yeah. television show day in day out but the majority of time you can find a, you know a giggle somewhere and good crack and that's the bit that makes it all worthwhile 
Yeah, I, I saw, I've, I've had a lady on the, the show called Kelly Rickson. She's the current uh, chair of the Institute of Hospitality, uh, an absolute force of nature, has an amazing story herself. And I, I saw her give a talk uh, to uh, the Passion for Hospitality event one year. And she just, you know, she was giving advice from her career to the students who are coming through now. And the one thing that I remember taking away from me, uh, from her, her chat was find the fun. Like it doesn't matter if you've been tasked with cleaning 100 toilets. Yeah. Go and find the fun thing about that. That's down to you. It's not about you turning around and going, oh, God, I've got to go and clean 100 toilets. Yeah. It's about, okay, how can I make this fun? (laughs) My favorite bowl. There you go. Job done. (laughs) Indeed. Oh, please, somebody out there, do that now. Yes. Uh, Toilets to- I have cleaned. Toilet reviewer. Yeah. Oh, dear. Do you know what? I'll probably get more hits. Yeah, absolutely. That reminds me of a, a business idea I had once, uh, which was uh, as somebody who uh, often needs to know where the toilet is when he's out and about, and that's through a, a, a totally different story, which I'll bore you with some other time. Uh, I came up with uh, the trip advisor for uh, for toilets was the the idea I had in my head. Yes. Um. And I but I was going to call it shit advisor. I just I thought that was um that's quite a, a catchy name. That's a court case but, waiting um, to happen. And it totally is, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, um, Love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, off off topic slightly. Off topic. Off topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. We've just been talking about fun, which seems like a a nice segue into a question that I always love to ask everyone. Do you have a funny story that you can share with us from your career so far? I've got loads. Most of them, I don't know what time this airs, but I'm sure there isn't a watershed available. So, no. I mean, we've got a lot. I mean, the one, I must say, there was the one, I was thinking about this, I remember you uh, um, mentioning, there was a really almost surreal moment at Goodwood. We did, um, I mentioned the Magnolia Cup, which is the, charity ladies race that we do during glorious every year and the first year we did it we decided in honor of all the jockeys who are riding and to raise a bit more money we would hold a ball at Goodwood House a big party the night before and you people uh, paid to come to the ball and we'd have a you know it was all in regency theme because uh, the house is of the regency era so all beautifully candlelit and there was a carousel outside we still do it and it's one of the most beautiful events we do it's gorgeous anyway we had a band and a dj booked for afterwards and it was on a wednesday night it was due to happen on the wednesday night and the duke called me on the saturday and said i've got someone to sing at the ball it's like oh okay we we'd have a band and a dj uh, are we thinking another singer is there a space for another singer thinking god how am i gonna fit this into the bloody timetable and he said yeah courtney love Oh, Pardon? okay. Who did you? And I thought, my first reaction was, I wonder if he's got the name right. It can't actually be. So I said to him, is it like as in the band Hole? And then I thought, what's, is he even going to understand? And he said, yeah, yeah, Courtney Love. And I said, as in Kurt Cobain's ex with Courtney Love, like the American singer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's over here. She's doing some stuff with, I think, Vanity Fair. I've spoken to a friend that had connected them. She'll sing. Do we want that? We want her to sing, you know, really kind of thinking how on God's green earth at this stage, you know, three nights before. Yeah. Anyway, it must have, it's possibly one of the most surreal 24 hours of the time I've had at Goodwood. It was Courtney Love. She was okay to sing. 
I don't know how we really managed. Spoke to her tour manager. I still, right up until the point that she arrived, thought she's never actually going to come. And yeah. we had sold tickets to the event anyway, the, the, the dinner. So it wasn't as though it was a Courtney Love gig and we weren't sure if she was going to turn up. So, But um, she stayed in Goodwood House on the private side in the Duke and Duchess's home. And I went to see her the night of the event. She answered the door in just her underwear and she had a whole suitcase full Obviously. of gold shoes. It was so mental. Anyway, yeah. she said, can I smoke in here? I was like, absolutely not. This is the king's bedroom. No, absolutely not. No, no, come along the corridor. So I, I took her along the corridor. And and so we had to go from the private side into where the offices are and right. out onto the balcony so that she could have a fag. Anyway, yeah. so she's there chatting away. Some moments of our conversation were, I mean, she was, she's a really, she's a rock star. I mean, she's, she's courtly love for God's sake. So I was pinching myself a bit. Anyway, she got a funky dress on. She, she came down to the ball. She played, and she was exceptional. I'm not sure if either she or the audience really knew what to expect of each other. It all went off quite well. There was a couple of hiccups, some yep. a bit mental. Anyway, the next day, I got a call from our HR director who said, um, hi, I wonder if uh, you could help. It's quite unusual that she called. And I was like, yeah, is everything Okay. And she said, "There's. I'm trying to have a team meeting here in her office. There's someone on the balcony outside my window in her pajamas, smoking a cigarette." I was like, "Ah!" So of course, well, the I night who that is. in the dark, <laughs> I had led Courtney Love along the corridor to have a fag, and there was no one in the offices because it was sort of eight at of night. Course, yeah, and of yeah. course, the next morning she thought, "Well, this is where I go for a cigarette," and you've got the HR team all looking at. I said, "That's Courtney Love on your balcony, you know, rock star." <laughs> totally unimpressed. Yeah. Um, and brilliantly, she also ordered, which I think is about the most rock and roll, she ordered from, uh, ordered breakfast in her room. You know, it's not a hotel. You should probably go and have breakfast with your hosts. Anyway, she ordered porridge and a double bourbon. How cool is that? She poured it onto That's... a porridge. Oh. And that was breakfast. Oh, God, Get I might in. try that tomorrow. I feel that that should be on a menu somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How to yeah. liven up a cold morning. Oh, God, um, I'm not a morning was, person at the best of times, but that might help. Hey, want to try a double bourbon on your porridge and see how your day goes? Yeah. Hey. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that was just one of the – it was it was such a surreal experience, but it was absolutely brilliant. Um, she yeah. loved it. And the crowd ended up absolutely loving it. She loved it. Oh, it was it was brilliant. It was an amazing – it was an amazing event, but um, it was pretty odd, pretty out there. But that sounds like that is exactly the sort of stuff that you have to deal with there quite frequently, is that the Duke could come to you in any moment and, and say, uh, oh, we're, uh, I, I just, you know, I just bumped into King Charles last week and he's going to come and give a talk tomorrow <laughs> at three o'clock. And you're like, okay. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Right, quick, mobilise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I, no, I, I love it's, that. It's stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. I'm a little conscious of time, but uh, so a final question uh, before I let you get on your merry way. Are you? I feel like you've given me so many reasons all the way through this chat, but I'm going to ask you to, <laughs> uh, I suppose, summarise uh, in some ways here. Uh, what would be your main reasons why somebody should join hospitality as a career? Oh, the people, I think. You know, with all of the tech and all of the AI that's coming at us left, right and centre, People need people. We need interaction. 
the people you work with and the people you meet when you work in hospitality is just unrivaled. It yeah. stands you in great stead. It's absolutely what makes the buzz. We will all need to interact. You know, it's it's the perfect place that pulls all of that community and enjoyment. People don't go out for to have a bad time. They go out to have a good time. You know, we're not working in funeral services. The, the reason for people dining out, drinking out, eating out is to have a great time. And um, the buzz from that, you know, is is right up there. So it's the people and the and the sort of the oomph that this business brings is um, I've not found a better high. So you know, even after all of these years, it's legal as well. Being able to deliver, or <laughs> it's legal. Yeah, depending on how many breaks you're given, obviously. Well, yes, legal. and how many it's, bourbons uh... <laughs> you have with your porridge. Exactly. Oh, those were the days where you could drink on shift. Um, but... Oh, sorry, before I, that reminded me of a, a little story before you get on to the rest of that little bit that I've just sure. asked you to do. <laughs> but I I um, worked with a guy who will remain nameless. Everybody that worked with him will know exactly who I'm talking about. But he was, he, when I joined uh, cruise ships, he was three rungs above me on the ladder. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, he used to have a teapot. <laughs> sent to his office in the morning uh, when he got into his office and uh, and in the teapot was Carlsberg. But of course, yes. if you look in the teapot, it looks like tea. So nobody ever used to yeah. uh, to question it. And um, I, you know, he got away with that, well, until he left uh, his, his role of his own accord. Um, so, yeah. But, Brilliant. Uh, Yes, I if you're out it. there and you're listening That's to this, you know it. who you are, and uh, and I love you forever. <laughs> they used to do um, in some in some uh, in Soho after you went to after hours. If you went out for, there were a couple of Chinese restaurants in Chinatown who you, if you knew who they were, and you said, "Could I have a green tea?" You used to get a teapot filled with not green tea. You could you could dodge right. the dodge the licensing laws. Every discreet dram in a teapot. <laughs> is that a, a green tea in inverted commas, uh, as it were? <laughs> Absolutely. A green, Absolutely. a green tea Some with a, a, a wink. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you knew who they were. <laughs> oh dear. But yes, it is a yes. it's a remarkable industry, and it gets a bit of a kicking at times. It's funny that it's um everybody expects exemplary service wherever they go. As they should, we should all expect to be treated brilliantly if we're out. But it's a tough service to work in and it's getting tougher. And so I feel like the responsibility to have a great night or lunch or cup of tea is everybody's. So I, yeah. I feel a little bit like, you know, I, I don't, I rarely go out and have a bad time. So that's got to do with my attitude to going out as much as it is to the people I that do. are serving me I could not agree more I just think people people need to be a bit more generous yeah and no. we I, we don't talk uh, enough about this and I, I'm not trying to change I, I'm not trying to change people's mind you know if you're going to go out and experience a bad service then you know that needs to be made uh, you know aware of in in the moment sure. that you're in but I, I think there's 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 also a way to behave as a guest right I mean that's the totally. uh, um and I, I get I will always, 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 unless somebody is really, really nasty and off with me, then they're always going to get the, the best version of me when it comes to whenever I, I go out somewhere, which means I want them to win. 
And I want them yeah. to, to have a, a really great service because that means I get a great experience as well. Totally. But even if that doesn't happen and you feed back to them as a, uh, you know, in a nice way, it's just a, you know, it's just a much nicer place to be in the world. Be, and I know that sounds is. quite and whimsical, but I don't care. No, I'm quite right. You shouldn't care. It's absolutely right. I do feel a little bit like if you are, if you st- also, I never, ever understand people who are shitty and then expect excellent service as a result of their shittiness. If you, if, you know, yeah. obviously, as you say, if something happens and something goes wrong, you absolutely need to address it. But if you do it kindly, you'll turn it around from a customer, as a customer, as much as as, yeah. as a member of staff. And I do think, you know, it is a tough industry and it's thankless. And there is a, a kind of arrogance at times around, you know, it's a waiter or it's just a, you know, it's just someone who was serving me when actually it's incredibly hard. It takes a lot of, you know, if everybody had to go into work every single day with a great game face and jazz hands, you know, mm. industry would stop. But when you're yeah. hospitality, you have to, it's all, you know, you're on stage. It's absolutely, you know, what's the phrase, tits and teeth. It's, you know, you're on, it's, it's my job to make your day wonderful, but please come expecting to have a lovely time and we'll all have a better result um, because of it. But yeah. but it's a, it's an incredibly brilliant industry to work in. If everyone was a wee bit kinder, it would be better still, I think. But yeah. um, And it is a career. And that's the other thing I think is so frustrating at times is that people don't see it as a career. It's a sort of stopgap. Well, if I can't do anything else, I'll just wait for a while. Whoa, 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 whoa. That doesn't count. Mm. You've got to want no, to do absolutely. a great job. You've got to want to look after people because actually if you're if that isn't your desire or you're not even vaguely interested in it, this isn't the job for you. So, mm. you know, it's um it's and I mean I've been I've been in this industry for years and years and I love it and it's easily better and have a better time than lots of my friends and peers who have studied hard at university and gone into really serious jobs <laughs> really they're probably you know they're earning not much or the same and they're not having anywhere near as much fun or opportunity so it's yeah. definitely worth getting stuck in rolling your sleeves up there will be hard graft but it will be great fun and it, you know if you get it right it's it's knockout yeah and you well you're an absolute case in point uh, for sure and I, I can just imagine those meetings with your friends who went off into these serious jobs that every time they come back in your company they're saying things like why are you always so bloody happy it's the drink it's the drink yeah it's the bourbons the bourbons it's with the, the porridge there we are yeah. oh, brilliant excellent well look Patricia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, it's been an absolute Loved joy. I, I would would love to spend more time in your company regaling more stories from your, <laughs> your career. I'm sure there are many, many. I'm going to have to start a second thing uh, called Hospitality Anonymous or something like that and just get people yeah. to come in with their anonymous story. And we'd never know who it is, but um, yeah. you know, we all kind of know who it is. But, we all kind of um, know. But yes, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I wish you all the best with the, the next phase of whatever it is that you, you're going to get up to at Goodwood. Well, thank you. Come and join us. Come and see us. I certainly will. <laughs> Thanks so much, Phil. Take care. Bye. Bye. And there we have it. I think we can all agree that Patricia is absolutely doing what she was born to do. I reiterate my thanks to her for bringing the fun and energy to our chat. 
We'll be back as usual at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.